Father, we love you, we praise you. Lord, you are holy. As we just sang, God, we give you all the praise. We thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your grace. God, we thank you for your word and the truth of it. So Lord, as we do open your word here for a few minutes, as your Holy Spirit continues to move through this place, God, show us something today. Show us something that, that maybe we, we wouldn't have, have seen any other way. God, meet us right where we are today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So uh, a few weeks ago, well, actually last week, I'm sorry, we, we started a new series called Mourn Again. Uh, and, and what we're talking about in this series um, is really coming face-to-face with our sin, but in a different kind of way, right? In a, in a way where, where we're opening our hearts and our eyes to the realities of, of our guilt, of our sin, of our shame, but also being able to receive the forgiveness and hope of Jesus through that. Not, not so much to, to like be depressed about it um, or for us to get down on ourselves as we can tend to do, but, but actually the other way, reminding ourselves of the joy of our salvation because when we understand where we've come from, the joy of our salvation is actually something that's even, even greater and can be even greater. And so I want to encourage you today to just take a breath and stop for a minute and to a- approach and encounter Jesus with fresh eyes. Encounter Jesus with fresh eyes today, right? Because the point is not for us to be down on ourselves, um, but to really ask some questions of ourselves. To ask some questions like, what's pulling me away from loving God? What are the things that are maybe pulling me away from loving God and, and, and loving others and, and really stepping into being more like Jesus as we should be? What do I need to maybe give over to him? Whether it's time in prayer, resources, whatever that might look like. More time in, in the word. What, what can help me to love Jesus more and to be more like him? And so this, this season is, is known as Lent. Um, and so there's some of that that we're talking about, re- repenting and, and, and mourning our sin, but that's actually gonna set the tone for the celebration of Jesus' resurrection and the joy of that moment. For believers, this allows us to kind of return to a state of heart and a state of mind where, where we were when we first approached Christ. Do you remember that moment? Do you remember what that was like, that moment that you first realized your need for him because of, because of your sin? You became aware of that? It's important for us to kind of refresh ourselves on that. If we're gonna continue to grow in our faith, if we're gonna continue to grow and move forward as a church and be the branch as he is the vine and we are the branch that is reaching out to the world and to our community. Because the further away we get, hear this, the further away we get from the awareness of our sin in our life, the less we're able to really be who God has called us to be. You know, we have a core value here at the church that says this, it's up on the wall. It says, we believe all people matter to God and therefore matters to us. This is one of our core values as a church. This is who we are, it's part of our culture. Absolutely, and we believe this. And if we do, then we need to be living this out. And the path to living that out stems in unity. And unity, the path to unity, is paved with forgiveness. We're going to talk about forgiveness today. The relational intention of the church is really a big part of this because it's all about people. Jesus 
what he was all about was about people, not about preferences. He was about people. And it's about loving people where they are and loving them too much to let them stay there just like Jesus does with us. So as we mourn again, as we approach the throne of God from a place of of humble understanding of where we are in regards to, to where we stand with God and we realize where he stands, and we're in awe of who he is and what he's done for us in our lives. And that means we understand forgiveness in a way that others don't. Think about that as believers. We should have an understanding and appreciation for forgiveness in a way that people who are not believers, that they don't really get and understand, right? We understand this, that no one can possibly offend me to the extent that my sins have offended God. I mean, really think about that. No one can offend me to the extent that my sins have offended God. This is a very clear principle because God has forgiven such a great debt in our lives and that any debt that is owed to us is absolutely insignificant in comparison. This is a principle that has to be applied in the little things that are done to us, but also in the big things. That can be tough. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew 18. Matthew chapter 18, and, um, and Peter is sitting down to talk with Jesus here in Matthew 18. Uh, they're, they're talking, and Peter asks him a question, as he does oftentimes. And as Jesus does oftentimes, he gives him a straight answer, but kind of doesn't. He also gives him a story and turns it into story time for a minute. And so I, I, want, you to see, I want you to see the way Jesus handles this. Matthew 18, beginning in verse 21. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. If you have your Bible app, you can certainly follow along um, in, in the Bible app. And here's what it says. It says, And Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Your translation might say 70 times seven, um, depending on what that is. The point necessarily isn't the math is correct on that, by the way. Because seven times sounds pretty good. It's interesting that Peter said that to him, right? That sounds pretty generous. It's probably what Peter was thinking. Especially because the rabbinical teaching, the rabbis at the time were teaching that three times is is good. Three times is, is what you should shoot for. You have to forgive somebody three times. So seven, he's probably like, all right, let's double that and add one for good measure. Seven's God's number, boom. Let's go seven, right? Number of completion, sweet. So I'm being overly generous, right? I'm, I'm doing good here, Jesus, seven times. What's up, right? And Jesus' point was not that we should track our forgiveness with an Excel spreadsheet, right? He wasn't like, okay, so 77 or 70 times seven, right? All right, I need you to keep track of that. Oh, well, this guy, he, he's up to five, so we're getting close, you know? Uh, we're getting close if I'm going seven, He's over the, the rabbi's version of three, but let me see. I've got like 18 more people on this list. Where are they at? Like, do you really think that was Jesus' point? Was like, let's keep track of this this way? Absolutely not. Here was his point. There is no limit to forgiveness. That was his point. There's no limit to forgiveness. This was Jesus' teaching, and Jesus lived this out. He lived this out, that there's no limit to forgiveness. Think about the things that were done to him. And what was the last thing? One of the last things he said when he was on the cross, he looked down and said, Father, forgive them 
for they know not what they do as he's on the cross being crucified. Anybody ever been in that position? I see no hands up. Your appreciation for forgiveness as a believer should be at a different level than those who are not following Jesus. So when we understand the depth of our sin, we understand forgiveness a little bit differently. Right? And then Jesus jumps right into story time. He's like, all right. He doesn't even let Peter like, respond to this. He says, let me tell you a story. And he tells a parable where he teaches about forgiveness. Jesus is a great storyteller. And I just want to read this to you. I don't even, I'm not even going to put it on the screen. I just want to read it and let you listen. Beginning in verse 23, he says this. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I'll pay back everything. And the servant's master took pity on him. He canceled the debt and he let him go. He canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. That's a lot less than 10,000 bags of gold. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what happened, they were outraged. They went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all the debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And Jesus says this, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Wow. So a little perspective here. 10,000 bags of gold or talents, depending on what uh, translation you're reading, that's about equal to uh, one talent is 20 years wages. 20 years so this was 10,000 bags of gold. He owed 200,000 years wages. So he could have said, you owe me a bajillion dollars, an unpayable debt, right? And a, a stupid amount of money. Unpayable debt is the point. And he was given grace and he was given forgiveness. But he didn't pass that forgiveness along. See, the forgiveness that we receive is directly related to the forgiveness that we give to others. We see through Jesus' teaching that the forgiveness is only given to the remorseful heart. Forgiveness and nearness to God, they're conditional on our choices. You may, you may be like, I'm, I don't quite feel like I'm close to the Lord now. You, you may be harboring unforgiveness in your heart and that is keeping a wall up between you and the Lord. That's hard to hear, but that's true. Because here's the thing, if you cannot forgive, you cannot receive forgiveness. This is a hard truth, but we need to hear it. We need to remember that our treatment of others is an indicator of where our heart lies. 
Because if God loves all, and he does, then so should we. We're his hands and feet. Now, granted, I don't like everybody. No offense. But neither do you. But we should love everybody. Like, man, there's some people that are really tough to like. I get it. But if we're his hands and feet, harboring unforgiveness in our heart is not an option. We need to think about the Lord's mercy today. And we need to think of it on two ends, right? There's two sides of this we need to think about. One, how it should shape our relationship with him, because it does. It shapes our relationship with him. And then secondly, how it should shape our relationship with others, because it does. So any of you science nerds or physics people, I'm neither. Um, There's a study of conductors and insulators. Maybe you've heard this, maybe you remember this. I'm sure this is like second grade science or something. Art school, okay? But a conductor, a conductor will allow the flow of a charge to be passed through them and onto other, other pieces of matter, right? An insulator, on the other hand, that, that prevents the charge from flowing through to the point of contact. An insulator prevents. A conductor allows it to pass through. Got a friend of mine that's an electrician that's come over and helped us at our house, and I remember a couple of times when he made himself a conductor of electricity. And there were sparks out on the pole outside the house. I'm not even kidding. I'm grateful he is alive and with us. But let me ask you this. When it comes to forgiveness, are you a conductor or are you an insulator? If we think of forgiveness like an electrical current, then we find ourselves with a choice. Right? We can be a conductor and allow that to pass through us, or we can be an insulator and allow it to stop with us. We can decide to terminate that flow of grace that has been given to each and every one of us. And the thing is, if we choose to be an insulator, then forgiveness doesn't really reach us either. Now, there's a danger of looking at this parable in, in the wrong way, almost like to encourage us to forgive out of fear. So, should we? Should I forgive out of fear? Oh, if I don't forgive, then I won't be forgiven, so I, I, better, I better forgive. This, this is not the lesson. Forgiving out of fear. Should we fear God? Yeah. But not like this. See, you're getting to the correct answer, but with the wrong formula. The thought that should be in the forefront of our minds is, is this. I must forgive because I have been forgiven. That's a different perspective. That's not forgiving out of fear. That's understanding what has been given to you and being a conductor to pass that along. Unlike the unforgiving servant who felt like forgiveness was his to use as a weapon, we have to view ourselves as a vessel of forgiveness being the extension of God's forgiveness because we don't really forgive. God, God ultimately, his work of mercy and grace is, is forgiveness. It's ultimately his work. 
We say mercy and grace. I want to talk about those words for just a minute because we hear those words in church circles often. These are churchianity words. And for good reason, right? But do we really understand their place in our lives and in our walk with Jesus? What mercy and grace really mean for us? Because as followers of him, these should be two of our favorite words because of what they really mean to us. And if we are to mourn again the sin in our life because we are forgiven and we are rescued, it's only possible because of his mercy and his grace. So let's talk about mercy for a second, right? Mercy, to define it, is God not giving us what we deserve. This is a good way to look at it. God not giving us what we deserve. That's mercy. See, because of our sin, because of our rebellion, against God with our thoughts and our behaviors. We deserve death. We deserve eternal separation from God. He gave humanity a perfect scenario in Eden, in the Garden of Eden, and we blew it, right? We totally blew it. But even in my own life now, right, I have rejected his ways, and so have you, right? I've rejected his ways. I've ignored his best for me. I've messed up only to come crawling back to him over and over and over again. Anybody else relate? That's all of us, right? I deserve punishment, but in his mercy, he gave us a way to escape the judgment that we deserve. Romans 6, 23, the beginning of that verse says this, for the wages of sin is death. Pretty clear statement, the wages, the payment because of my sin, because of your sin, the payment of sin is death. But grace. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. That's you receiving, getting favor, getting what you do not deserve. Romans 6.23, the end of it, says, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. See, mercy, because the wages of sin is death. But you can get eternal life. It's mercy and then it's grace because the gift of God, a gift, you can't do anything to get, it's not a gift if you do something for it, right? Not like here, happy birthday, here's a pair of pants, that'll be 20 bucks. Like that's not a gift. I just paid you for it. God extending his favor to us to give us what we don't deserve, we can receive the gift of eternal life, which we don't deserve, for free. For free, which is also grace because we don't deserve it to be free. Which brings me to one of my favorite verses in all of scripture, which is in Hebrews, the book of Hebrews, chapter four, verse 16 says this, then let us approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We can approach the throne of the one, the one who, the only one who has the right to be judge, jury, and executioner. The perfect eternal creator of the universe who has every right to not forgive us or to limit his forgiveness or to put a cap on it or to put a bar on like, oh, you've done this. It's a little too much, right? You stepped across the line. There's no line. There's nothing you can do to make God love you more and there's nothing you can do to make God love you less. And yet we can receive his forgiveness. We find him to be a God that loves us so much 
that he gave us mercy and grace. And in that grace, in that fact that he came to this earth and he was crucified for you because of your sin. You see, if there is no mercy, then there is no grace. If there's no mercy, there's no grace. Which means that there is no forgiveness. And if you don't understand mercy, then you can't give grace to anybody, let alone forgive them. But when you recognize and you realize the fact that God's mercy is why you can receive his grace. If you don't give mercy, then you can't give grace. But if you know mercy, then you know grace. If you know mercy, then you know grace. God's mercy ought to be a point of change for us, right? If we experience the grace of God and we remain unchanged, then you miss the point completely. You completely missed the entire thing. Meaning if we know mercy and we know God's grace, then we need to be a conductor and pass along the same mercy and grace that we have been given. And you're like, but Jay, you don't get it. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what's been done to me. And you're right. I don't. And I'm not saying that you remove the consequences. And I'm not saying that it's just, eh, whatever's okay. I'm not sloughing off those things in, in the slightest. There are consequences for our actions. Absolutely. And maybe, maybe the right thing to do in your life is on the path to forgiveness is to step away from the people that have really, really hurt you. Stepping away from them completely doesn't, doesn't mean you're not forgiving. But here's the thing, holding a grudge, holding a grudge isn't helping anything either because it only breeds bitterness. Holding a grudge breeds bitterness and bitterness breeds poison into your life. You know what that's like? It's like drinking rat poison yourself and expecting the rat to die. That's what you're doing. Part of forgiveness as well is prayer because you're not going to do it on your own. Coming to the Lord, telling him that you're forgiving those who've sinned against you, it's going to help you to experience that. It's going to help you to experience that. And if you don't choose to forgive, if you don't choose to forgive, then, then that intimacy, that closeness with God, you're not going to have that because it's based on forgiveness. And Jesus teaches us, and how have we forgotten this, that our relationship with him, it's never just the two of us. It's never just me and God. I think we think of it a lot that way, and there's a lot of it that is that way in the sense of our salvation and growing in our knowledge of him and our prayer time and our time in the word. Of course, yes, there are times where it is just you and God, but from the perspective of working out our salvation, we see that our relationship with others is actually the true measure of our relationship with God. Jesus did not say, hear this, Jesus did not say that his followers would be known by how they loved God. It might sound weird, but read it. 
What's it say in John 13? By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. If you love one another. There's other measures of discipleship. Absolutely there are. But none of them that show the world that you are his disciple before this one. Jesus marked his disciples by their love for each other. Right? We can mark ourselves as his disciples by our love for each other. And by that, the world will mark us as followers of Jesus by our love for each other and for others. And how can we accomplish this if we don't appreciate or understand or know mercy and grace and forgiveness? The mercy, grace, and forgiveness that we receive every single day because of the sin that we have no escape from other than Jesus. And then, being a person of mercy and grace and forgiveness to those that are around us. So my connection point for you for today is that knowing his mercy and grace and forgiveness will change you. Really knowing it, understanding it, intellectually and then letting it pierce your heart because the Christian the follower of Jesus should be changed by God's mercy and grace and forgiveness. As we're changed, we find the extension of grace and mercy that was and is given to us to share with others. Paul said in Ephesians 4, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Can you bow your heads with me? Forgiveness is a tough one. I have no doubt that some of us here may be harboring some unforgiveness in our hearts or know that we haven't been forgiven by others. We're tough on ourselves. You could also be the, in the position where you're, you're thinking... God can never forgive me for what I've done. He doesn't want anything to do with me. Can I tell you that is a lie from the pit of hell and don't you believe it? He has given all of us mercy and grace and forgiveness. He's not giving us what we deserve. By putting our trust in him, we get his mercy not getting what we deserve. We get his grace, getting what we don't deserve, which is eternal life. And we get forgiveness from our sin, which is what keeps us from eternal life, is our sin. And because of what Jesus did, we can have that free gift of eternal life. There may be somebody that you need to forgive right now in your heart. You need to take that to the Lord. Take it to him. It might be a process. It may not be something. In fact, it probably isn't something that you can handle right here, right now in one moment. But you can begin to take next steps toward that. But if you haven't received the mercy and grace and forgiveness of Jesus, boy, do I have good news for you. I would love to talk with you. I would love to pray with you and show you how you can know 
that you have received those things. Jesus, I love you. I praise you and I pray that your spirit would keep moving through this place. I know that there are some here, some watching online that are struggling with this. I pray that they would continue to wrestle and walk through it and come to you and know that you're walking there right with them and that they've got a church family that's walking there right with them because all people matter to God and so all people matter to us. God, you've not given us what we deserve and you've given us eternal life with you which we don't deserve. And you've forgiven us of our sins and it's an awesome thing. And we praise you and thank you for it. And we say hallelujah. Lord, I pray that we can take this idea, we can take these, these thoughts, whatever it is that your Holy Spirit is doing in each and every one of us and we can live that out and we can be conductors of your mercy, grace, and forgiveness to a world that doesn't see that very often. Lord, let us be your hands and feet. If there's one here that hasn't received that forgiveness in their life, I pray that they wouldn't walk out of this place without knowing that for sure. In Jesus' name.